Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee. I'm lead pastor here. For those of you who maybe join us for the first time, uh, welcome. Also, for those of you watching online, I uh, hope you are doing well and glad you can join us uh, in that way. Um, we have a QR code that will be up on the screen. This will allow you to see all the things that is coming up and happening here at Press Church. It's a way for you to connect with us. Um, I also, after service, will be at the Connect Desk if you have any questions uh, or would like to connect, just not through this sort of thing. Please come to me and be happy to help you. I do want to highlight some of the things that are coming up. Um, today is the last day to drop off uh, items for the resupply drive. We've been collecting items for our neighbor's school. Um, and so we are probably going to be dropping that off midweek sometime. So if you don't have it today, uh, I am at the church pretty much every day. So if you do want to drop that off and don't have it today, just let me know so I can know to wait for that. But uh, today is the last day. We're going to be uh, dropping that off uh, here soon. Uh, Next thing, uh, youth movie night tonight, 5 to 7. Make sure you're there, youth. Bring a friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as well, we have young adult hangout after service. So young adults um, meet up after service. You guys are going to do some. I'm not invited to those things anymore, so I don't know what you guys are doing. I used to be cool like that. Um, I don't get to do that stuff anymore. But anyways, uh, so this weekend, ladies. You don't have anything going on other than what's happening here, if conference, Friday and Saturday. Uh, ladies, make sure you sign up. This is going to be a great time, a fellowship, a great time to learn and just grow in your faith. Um, I know, you, so last week, uh, Pastor Jason, like, asked who, like, introverts and extroverts were, and I guess we had, like, a bunch of introverts in this church. Let me just, let me just encourage all you introverts, you can do this. You can come to this, okay? And it would be good for you to come, and I know you can spend a little time with other people. It'll be good, I promise. So ladies, if you have any questions, you can talk to Chrissy Bontrager. Um, she will be, she'll be around after service. Uh, but I highly encourage you, please sign up for that. It's gonna be a great time. Uh, and then last, we don't do any of this without your support. So I encourage you uh, to give today. So whatever is in your heart to give, we have a box by the back exit. You can give through our QR code. And we also have a text to give number that you can give. Um, I'm always amazed at how God uses uh, generosity, and so I'm encourage you today, if you are, uh, I want to be a part of what is happening here, to to give and to give generously. All right, let's let's start in word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time together. Uh, may you speak through me, and when, may you bless this time. May we learn more about who we are, who you say what we are, embracing our identity in you, accepting your love for us, God. We thank you for this time together. In your name, Amen. All right, crazy train. All right, if you are newer to this series or just visiting, we have been going through this series called Crazy Train. It's all about relationships and how we can get on this crazy train of relationships and have crazy things happening in those relationships. And we've been working through what we've been calling crazy indicators, these crazy indicators that keep us uh, struggling in our relationships. So we've worked through crazy expectations. We've worked through fear of rejection. We've worked through the need to control. And each of these, if not confronted and worked through, will cause issues in our relationship. They will cause us to be on what we're calling the crazy train. And so as we move forward today, I have a question for you. Um, do you have a friend who always seems to have a convenient excuse? Spouses, don't nudge your partner, please. But do you, do you have somebody, they always have a convenient excuse excuse. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, they have a way to shirk the responsibility. It's not their fault, right? Uh, if you're a teacher, I'm sure you've heard like plenty of good stories about why homework wasn't done 
or something along those lines. Heck, I don't know if you guys remember, like in COVID, everything was COVID's fault. You know, just blame COVID, right? Well, you know, I, I'm going to be going out of town in a couple weeks, and I don't want to get sick, so, you know, COVID. You know. It's easy. And there's one thing that's that kind of in common with all these. It's blame. It's blame. It's always someone else's fault. It's always something else. And we all know how easy it is to do. I'm sure some of us even used blame this morning. But I think we miss how damaging this blame game can be in our relationships. And that's what this week is all about, the blame game. Uh, Every week here at Press, our teaching team, we get together and we hop in a car and we put up some cameras and we talk about the message for the day. So I'm going to direct your attention to the screens and have you watch this video. I'd work out more if it wasn't for... Having to work out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're, uh, you know, a little over a month into the uh, new year, and how's those New Year's resolutions working out for people? I've I've not been telling as many dad jokes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you... Have you done any this month? I don't... I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Because I took up drinking, and now I don't know... (laughs) He's joking. Yeah, 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 he's joking. <laughs> he can't take it up if he never stops. Joking. Keeping those resolutions and stuff, you know, obviously, what is it, some ungodly number, 90% of people don't keep it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they always have something they blame <laughs> for not keeping it. Right. Right? It's, it's kids. It's the time. It's oh, yeah. the, yeah. you know, the cost. Like they it's, didn't know before doing right. the resolution that those right. would be a factor. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that, I mean, that's just human nature, isn't it, to blame well, yeah. somebody else? We don't want to take personal responsibility. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> and so we yeah. find something else. Yeah. Yeah. To uh-huh. put the blame on, yeah. yeah, and it's usually another person, of course. Yeah, you know that does not work well uh, when you're trying to live in community and be in relationship with others, right? Yeah, yeah. Blaming does not help relationships get yeah. better. Well, I think about it, even with my kids, you know, like uh, we've we've told them to do certain things and not to do certain things, and you know, the kids like to run around to be crazy, and we let them. But I tell them, I'm like, hey, God, you're gonna get you're gonna get hurt. Something's going to happen. And then when they get hurt, they're sitting there crying. Yeah. We see reflections of this in Genesis oh, because oh, yeah. there's some simple uh, constructs that are put forward here. And so you have these uh, familial relations. you got the husband and wife situation, and you've got the brothers, right? And and in both of these situations, right out of the gate in Genesis, you, you what are we dealing with? <laughs> blame. You, you got, you got <laughs> the dude blaming the girl, and then you got the one brother blaming, you know, yeah. the other brother. It's like that's how... The, at the, our basic core uh, human problem, like it, it shows up in the blame game. Yeah, I don't want it to be my fault. Yeah, ever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want to be. I want to be able to say, no, no, I got it all right. Yeah. Right. This one hits too. This this one hits close to home. I feel like I can think about so many, so many arguments that I've had that it's like we're both. We're both doing that. Both Bethany and I, we get caught in this thing of like, well, you did, th- well, I can say you this about you. Well, I can say this about you. And it's like, yeah. no, nobody's right. Like, it's, the, it's stop trying to find this right, uh, who's right and who's wrong. It's like we're trying to find this dichotomy, who's yeah. right, who's wrong. And it's never wholly 
Right. True. Like right. it's not. Just you're one, both right. And you're both wrong. Like it's not simple one or the other. Right. That's that's very important to understand. Being both right and wrong. Right. We're never right enough. And I right. think this is a problem in the Christian community where we, a lot of times we like to put ourselves in a position of thinking yeah, we're, we're more, the ones that are we're right. We're more right. Yeah. We're, yeah. And it's like uh, we've got a lot of wrong yep, going yes. on. We forget our fallen nature. Yeah. We forget the humanity that, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, the sin that has separated us from God. And we yeah. like to put ourselves on a level like we have all the answers and we've got it all figured out. And the reality is, is we just don't. Yeah. And, and, and here's for, the thing. Yeah. If we're right and they're wrong, then we can blame them for all the problems in the world. Bingo. <laughs> and we, we're right, so it's not our fault. Right. And the reality is, is we are just as responsible <laughs> yeah. uh, for... And, and by we, I mean Christians or the church mm-hmm. or, you, you know, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. just Absolutely. blame everybody else. Yeah. And because, I mean, we're godly. Yeah. And if, if it's our fault, then we're not godly, and we've lost what separates us from the world, and now we're just like them, and that's no good. Right. We want to put ourselves in a position to judge, which is yes. this was what happens when we get into uh, you know, a relational conflict yeah. where we're involved in blaming. Yep. If we can remove the, the, the issue from our side, mm-hmm. yes. then, then we have the moral superiority. We have the, yeah. <laughs> we have the, the right to, to blame. Exactly. Yep. And that's what we want. Yeah, and yet that's nowhere in the Bible. It's the way we should operate. Right, kind of the opposite. Yeah, but but our default is to do that. Yeah. Like it's so weird that our default setting is really totally opposite of what God intended us to be and how He intended us to interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like there was sin or something that messed everything up. <laughs> well, it's it's like the 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 one. Cons- Consistent thing you see. I should say, well, like, I no, I don't want to take. The overall issue is, you know, are we examining our behaviors in relationship? Yes. Mm. That's really what all this stuff is about. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we didn't do something right. that, that we're getting accused of yep. Or, yep. Or, or something yep. like that. Yep. But at the, at the end of the day, like blaming something else, mm-hmm. it's not really going to do any good correct ultimately yeah, in right. the relationship so we do have to go in to the situation and i think that's the bigger question is are are we actually examining our own hearts in mm-hmm. the process yeah. yeah i think it's a good question are we examining our own hearts in the process i think part of the first process in examining is really think about why we would blame why why do we blame why would we blame and so I, I just have a couple things that I think are, I don't know, stand out to me. The first one was this, denial or lack of self-awareness. There's, there's times where you have a legitimate blind spot, and you just don't know. You just don't know. You, you blame because you can't see your own involvement in the issue. And so you, it's, it's, it's easy to blame. Uh, self-protection is another one. By blaming someone else, I, I don't have to take responsibility. I don't, I don't have to be at fault, right? And then when I think about it too, it's like, it just is easy. It seems natural, right? If, if, if something, if, if you're feeling the feeling, well, I'm going to blame this. I, I want to get it as far away from me as I can. Get, get it away from me. Uh, if you have children, I mentioned this in, in the video, you work tirelessly to get them to work and play nice, uh, to say please and thank you and all these good things, you don't have to work at all to get them to blame each other. 
It's, it's his fault. He did this. Well, it's her fault. She did this. I hear it every day of every week. And then we continue this. It's not like it stays in childhood. It's like we continue this into your teens, into your 20s, into your 30s. I was amazed as, you know, coming out of high school into college and then getting into, like, the working world. I was amazed at how screwed up adults are. We're all still screwed up, right? <laughs> you think, like, as they get older, some of these problems go away. But no. You see just as much blame in adulthood, maybe even more. I remember I played sports in high school. And I remember the feeling of, if, if I screwed up, the feeling of wanting to blame something else. Well, it wasn't my fault. My teammate didn't do what he was supposed to do. The, the ball slipped. I, it's, it's the ball's fault. If you play sports, you've heard that word. It's totally the ball's fault. It, it's so easy to pass this blame. Why is it so natural? Why is it so easy? And if, at the end of the day, if you struggle with blame, you're not alone. We all do it, and it's been happening since the beginning. We mentioned Adam and Eve, and I want to look through some of those passages in Genesis chapter 3. This is right after they were basically caught eating of the fruit. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it's her fault. No, it's, it's, it's his fault. It's the snake's fault. Blame. 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 From the earliest relationships, we've been mastering the art of passing blame. And I believe there's a root cause to all this. Because passing blame allows us to hide from our own shame and guilt. If I pass that on, I don't have to feel that. I don't have to, I don't have to experience this. Let's go back to, to Genesis 3. This is verse 8 through 10. This is before the blame started happening. In verse 8, it says, this is when, when, when God was coming. He said, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. Jason talked about this uh, last week. As he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. There is so much in this verse 10 here. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Blame usually starts with fear. There was a fear. He was afraid because he was naked. And he hid. So you have fear, and then you have a feeling of shame. Let's go to the next verse. This is verse 11. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So we see a pattern here. We have guilt that turns into shame. There was a truth about their guilt, right? They did the thing. They, they were wrong. They were guilty. But then that guilt led to shame, which then propelled them to blame. 
So there was guilt, there was shame, there was fear. And then there was a passing on. When we blame, we try to pass on that shame to others. And so you get stuck in this cycle. And there's some of us that are stuck in this cycle today. There's, there's some of us that are stuck in the cycle with our spouses, with our friends, with our children, where there may be guilt. There may be an actual guilt that has happened, but now there's shame involved. And there's fear. And that's a perfect recipe for blame. To, to, to blame, to get this off of us. And we're afraid to feel this. We don't like feelings. I don't like feeling shame. And so it's easy to pass off those feelings. And I realized, I was thinking about this, I don't, I don't think like subconsciously we're like, okay, I'm feeling afraid, and I'm feeling shame, and I'm feeling guilt. Oh, I need to get rid of this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this off to somebody else. I don't think many of us like wake up and say, oh, I really want to make my spouse's day terrible by blaming them. I mean, if you do, you might need to talk to somebody about that. I, I think about some of the arguments I've had with my wife. And it's amazing how, how quickly they devolve. You know, it's like we're, we're having this conversation, and, and we start arguing out of what the other person said. Well, you said this. And then you did this. Well, you said this, and you called me this. Well, you called me this. And it becomes this blame, blame, blame. Well, you did this. You did this. And we're just, we're just pushing back. And all we're trying to do is defend ourselves. Because we don't like that feeling of, of being blamed for something. We don't like that guilt that's being associated. Even if it's true, we don't like it. I'm sure when Adam was blaming Eve, he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to stick it to Eve. It was her fault. It's probably reactionary. Oh gosh, it wasn't me. It, it was her. It doesn't feel good to be guilty. We want that feeling off of us as quickly as possible. Get, get the spotlight off of me. Get it away from me. What's the fastest way to get rid of it? Blame. They, it, it's them. Don't look at me. Don't make this about me. Don't define me. And then Eve did the same thing. Oh, it, it was the snake's fault. And blame most often starts with some form of guilt. And then the shame comes in. And then shame says, your guilt defines you. Guilt is about what you did. Shame is about who you are. And that's why shame feels so personal. Because it's not just like, I messed up. It's, I am that screw up. I am what I did. I can't believe I did that. Why would I do something like that? That's shame. Shame is when that guilt becomes part of your identity. And then blame is the vehicle by which we transfer the guilt and the shame so that we can feel better about ourselves. Everybody feeling really good right now? <laughs> I've, been, I've been sitting in this all week. Don't worry. We all do this. It's, it's natural. And the truth is, we're all guilty at times. So how can we stop the blame game? How can we stop this cycle of fear and guilt and shame and blame and fear, guilt, shame, blame? And so the first thing is this. How do we stop the blame game? One, run from the you cycle. It's easier to stop blaming when you're not pointing a finger. 
when that finger comes out and you start pointing at the other, you, you. Unfortunately, we're really good at looking for who's to blame. It's very natural. In John chapter 9, we actually get a glimpse of this with the disciples. Jesus is, is walking about with his disciples, and the disciples ask him. They say, uh, Rabbi, they see a man who is blind from birth. So Jesus and disciples are walking, and they see a man who is blind. And his disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who's to blame? Who's guilty? They were looking for it. And as much as that culture is extremely different than ours today, we still struggle with some of those same ideas. If things are going right for someone, they must be living right. If things are going bad for someone, they must be living wrong. They're doing something wrong to be in that position. And so we, we go on to make these blanket judgments, which then make it easier to pass blame. Oh, they, they, must, have, they must have done something wrong to be in the position that they're in. Blame. Blame. When we run from the use cycle, it forces us to look inward. And I know that could be scary. But that's why taking that finger and, and, and not pointing is so important. Because when, you're so, when you stop worrying about what everybody else is doing, you can take a little bit of time in thinking about yourself. And I think this is where I don't think the church has always done a great job of creating healthy environments to do this in. Because looking at yourself, as I said, can be scary. Like, like working through inner things can be scary and it can feel really vulnerable. And if you don't have people around you that care about you, and give you a place of safety, then it's like, how are you going to deal with those hard things? We've been good at passing judgment, but not as good at finding these spaces for healing and repentance. Because if I repent about something I did wrong, now that's my identity. That's who I am. Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, says, So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I think this is such a powerful verse to think about. His kindness, forbearance, patience is intended to lead us to repentance. Are we providing that same space? Because by blaming, we're doing the exact opposite. Whether that other person is guilty or not, by blaming somebody, you are not giving them any pathway to repentance, even if they are guilty. Let's just play a hypothetical for a second. Um, hypothetical. You've screwed up. Okay? I know. Hypothetical. You've screwed up. You've messed up, and it would be fair for you to take the blame. And let's assume that someone bombards you with the question, how could you do that? How could you have done that? You messed up. You screwed up. What's your response? You're right. Thanks for letting me know. Awesome. No. I know nobody who would do that. No, it's deflection, right? It's finding something else to, well, I only did that because that, that happened and they did that. Well, it, it, it wasn't my fault. 
you start deflecting. You start to, to, to push away. You start to blame. You know, think about Eve. Adam just threw her under the bus. It was, it was the woman you gave me. And of course, she's going to keep the blame game ongoing. Well, it was the snake. Now let's assume in the same scenario that you had somebody that came to you with kindness and patience. Not neglecting the guilt, but coming to you and and treating you with kindness. I could be wrong, but I think it might be a little more likely to assume responsibility and work towards fixing whatever the issue may be in that scenario. Because even though you may be guilty, they aren't condemning or bringing shame. They're treating you as a person. So how can we stop pointing the finger and provide a space that there can be reconciliation, there can be healing, there can be a place for repentance if there is actually guilt at play? The second way to stop blame is this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think there's a verse in James chapter 1, verse 9 about this. Sorry, 19. James chapter 1, 19 and 20 talks about this. Very wise words. When it comes to relationships, communication is one of the biggest indicators of health. Talk to any relational therapist or counselor, like, communication is key. If we cannot work in the ability to listen to the people that we care about most, then it'll lead to two people who are just waiting to talk over the other person. And I think we've all seen that before. (laughs) We've all experienced that. They're talking, and you're just waiting to get your next point in. Oh, and you're thinking about it. It's like, oh, as soon as they're done, I'm going to lay this one. This one's going to get them. This one's going to be it. And they get done, and then they're doing the same thing back to you. While you're giving your great point, they're going, oh, what do I need to say next? How am I going to? And neither one is listening. Neither one is hearing. There's an exercise that we do in premarital counseling. It's called active listening. Maybe some of you have done this before. And it it forces the other person to listen in in a way that's able to repeat what the other person has said and convey the the feelings behind it. So if you're working through an issue, you would would express a problem uh, that you would like to address and how that would make you feel if it was addressed. And then the other person is supposed to then convey back exactly what the other person said. And you would think this would be easy. But usually what happens, especially in like a, I don't know, a a spousal relationship, as soon as the first person says, well, you know what, I would really like this to happen. The other person goes, well, if you would, you're not listening. You're only waiting to defend yourself. I mean, think about it like this. You know, it's like, let's let's take a, a silly thing. All right, so I'm talking to Bethany. And I really want her to put the toilet paper on the right way. And when I say the right way, when I say the right way, we know what the right way is, okay? We know what the right way is. Um, so I'm telling her, and, and Bethany does the right way, just, just so you know. Bethany is correct in her toilet paper uh, putting on, whatever. But if I say, Bethany, it would mean a lot for me if when you replace the toilet paper, you would put it on the right way, 
that would, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable when I have to go in there. Okay? If a good active listener would say, okay, Sean, you would like me when I'm replacing the toilet paper to fix it the way you, th- the, now this would be a passive aggressive, the way you think is right. That would be passive aggressive if she said it like that. So, but then we do that. We slip in those like little passive aggressive, like you want me to do what you think is, no, no, no. Say it the right way. You want me to put it on with the top going over instead of under. And if you did that, then I would feel much more comfortable in the bathroom. And then, you know, if there was a counselor and then they say, good job, way to respond, uh, good. We laugh. But think about a time or maybe even a space that you can have with, with a, a special relationship in your life where you can actually convey these things to each other. Hey, I would like it if, if this happened in our relationship, and the reason why I would like it is because of this. And if you as a person could not moralize or defend what the other person, or, or go after what the person just, but just repeat what they said. If you've actually been in something like that, it's amazing how you actually feel heard. You're not, you're not coming up with a solution yet. You're not coming up with whether they're right or wrong. It's just a way for us to listen. And that's really the point of this section is when we aren't listening, we're more focused on how I can defend myself or how I can be right, which then just leads and it continues this thing of blaming and blaming. And the reality is we all can be blamed for something. There's dirt on all of us, even me as a pastor. I know it's a surprise. You guys are supposed to laugh a little more at that. You're like, yeah, we know Sean. (laughs) All right. We all have blame. We all have something we can be blamed for. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 3 that really points to this. It says, all have sinned and fallen short. There's plenty of guilt to be had. There's no shortage of issues or screw-ups, even in this room in a church. I know, it's a surprise. But there is a response that we can take. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is important. We're good at, at, at this. We're, we're good at saying we're not guilty. And again, I think it's a fear thing. I don't want to be, I don't like the feeling of guilt. I don't like the feeling of being wrong. But this is a piece that's missing in a lot of our relationships. Church doesn't like to talk about it a lot because it doesn't feel good. I don't like how it feels to say that I'm guilty, that I actually need to say I'm sorry. And yet, if you've been in a relationship and, and have actually had somebody who's come to you and said, you know what, I screwed up. I messed up. I hurt you. I was wrong. How does that feel? Can, it, it feels amazing, Right? It feels amazing for somebody to come and actually say that. And if we can lead the way as Christians, of all people, we should be, we should be so ready to confess and be repentant to the people in our lives, even to Christ. 
God, I screwed up. I need, I need your help. It sets a framework. And that's what I think. I think the key to finding freedom is all this is embracing God's love and forgiveness. When I realize how much, how loved I am and how forgiven I am, it makes it a whole lot easier to give that back to somebody. And so we, we talk about embracing your identity in Christ here. Like, it's part of our, our mission vision statement here at the church. Like, it's this. It's understanding that, like, God loves us. He's forgiven us. When we, when we repent, when we, when we come to him and, and we, we acknowledge this, we confess, like, he's forgiven me. Yes, I was guilty. But that doesn't define me. I said earlier, shame, I talked about the shame piece. Shame is when guilt becomes your identity. I think so much are so much are in that space. We don't know what to do with our guilt. Because so many other people have have, have piled on that shame. They've piled on that blame. And now we're just we're afraid. We want to protect ourselves. But when you accept Christ as Savior, you are accepting a new identity. An identity that's not determined by what you've done, but what Christ has done for you. Romans 3.22, it says this. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Next slide. I know there's another slide there. Romans 3.22 through 24. Oh, did I only do 20? Oh, my gosh. That's on me. Hey, blame. Here we go. This is perfect. This is perfect. I will take the blame. I was guilty. But you know what? My identity is not in this. My identity is not being screwing up in front of all of you people and those of you watching online. I am sorry, uh, production people. My intent was to be through verse 24. This is another good reason to have your Bibles or a Bible app open, by the way. That way you're not just reliant on the screens because sometimes I screw up. It says this. I'm going to read again. This is Romans 3, 22 through 24. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. I am justified not by what I have done, by what God has done. I am not, I am not bound by my guilt. I, am not, I don't have to take on shame because of my guilt. And you may think, I was going through this, you may think like I'm taking this a little too far. Like, Sean, we're just talking about blame, and you're like dropping the gospel on us. Like, you know, Jesus Christ came to send, you know, to, to give you freedom and to say, but I'm telling you, there is freedom in knowing who you are. There is freedom in knowing who you are. Blame stems from fear. It stems from shame. And the good news of what God has done for us absolutely crushes that. It's not just some mental gymnastics. It crushes that. I'm not defined by my guilt. I'm not defined by my past. I'm defined by who God says that I am. It says I don't have to be afraid. It says I'm not defined by that. 
It can recognize my shortcomings. It can recognize those things, but it still points to my need for Jesus. We all need Jesus. We, we need his grace, and it recognizes that grace. And when I can recognize that grace for myself, I am so much more likely to give it back. Because every single person in this room needs some grace. That person you're arguing with needs some grace. I need grace. I'm very hard on myself. <laughs> Ask Bethany. That's all of us, though. Think about that. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. And because of that, we, just, we, we get so quick to just blame and pass that on because I don't want to feel that way. But if we, if we truly embrace who God has called us to be, then we can be free of those feelings. Dylan, you can, you can start to come up. If I recognize that I need grace, then I can also extend grace. Which means I don't have to blame to feel better about myself. A Christ-centered identity frees us from that. If, if you didn't receive the elements, we're going to take communion together. And I think this is a, a great time to, to take the elements because it's within these elements that we truly celebrate and, and recognize the beauty of what Christ has done for us. Because you have in Christ someone who took the blame. Someone who carried all of the blame. Blame that wasn't deserved. And he took it so that we can have freedom. So that we can be free from the guilt. So we can be free from the blame that really does, could be directed at us. And so as we take these elements today, let's, let's remember that his sacrifice. Let's remember his love for us and this expression of his love for us that we are not defined by what we've done but by what he has done for us. And if you have confessed your faith in Jesus and you've repented, then he is faithful to forgive. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, and he, and he said to those disciples, this is my body which has been broken for you. And so today, as believers in Christ, together, we take this, and we remember, and we celebrate what this means for us. Let's take the bread together. And later that evening, he took the cup of wine, he said, this is my blood which has been shed for you. So we celebrate, we take this and remember what this means for us, the freedom through Christ's sacrifice. Let's take it together. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for maybe the things that you are speaking to us right now and the areas that we need to give you, God. I, I pray that, that from today on that we can start working to, to embrace who you say that we are. And in embracing that, God, that we are less likely to, to need that, that, that feeling of blame, that we're less likely to, to need to blame others, God, but we can, we 
can acknowledge maybe our shortcomings. We can acknowledge the times that we, we fail because we recognize your love for us. God, I, I pray for your, your guidance in our lives and as we go through our week and the different relationships that we have and just the complexities and the difficulties that come with that, God, that we ask for your wisdom and your guidance and we ask that in those relationships that we would be reflecting your grace and your love and we would set the tone for our relationships by doing that. I think that we can, we can celebrate, God, your, your death and resurrection. God, these, the elements represented here, God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love for us. And I pray that we all would truly embrace what that means for us today, God. We love you, and we thank you for all you are doing. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and join us as we continue in time of worship.